Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We have been in this series called 10. As I get started, get involved in this, or I want to say this, uh, we've been talking about 10, which is the 10 qualities of a disciple. We've been talking about 10 qualities of a disciple. This week is week nine, week nine, week nine. I know some of y'all are like, I don't know what week it is. We've been talking about it for a long time. We're in week nine, and we're going to be talking today about an incredible quality that I believe is so important. But before I do, I want to take a moment and welcome those watching online. Hey, if you're watching live or on demand, we're grateful for you. Thanks for tuning in today, and we're excited to to get you involved here live at some point in person. But uh, we've, again, been in this series, and today I want to talk to you about a quality of a disciple uh, that I believe is vital as we continue to journey in our walk of faith. That being said, what we've been doing throughout this series is we've been talking about the difference from a believer and a disciple. The difference from a believer and a disciple. Now, being a believer is not bad. I don't, we don't want to come across that way. Being a believer, the Bible says, is really how it starts. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. It starts, our faith starts with believing. Our walk with God starts, our relationship starts with believing in Jesus. But then there's a step beyond that that goes into we want to believe, but also we want to walk out how God has called us and created us to live. And so that's what discipleship is. And so the difference from being in the believer zone or the disciple zone is really what we've been talking about the last uh, eight weeks and now number nine. That being said, you can catch all other eight weeks online at experienceourchurch.com. We'd love for you to check those out. Today, I want to talk to you about the quality of a disciple. Number nine is one who gives generously. A disciple is one who gives generously. One who gives generously. Now, this that being said, here we go. We're talking about money. Oh, here goes the church. Here we go again. The church, people, everybody, all churches, all pastors, they all just talk about money. All they want is my money. All they care about is money so they can drive around a Ferrari. I wish I was driving around a Ferrari, but let me tell you something. My old beat-up F-150 ain't nothing like a Ferrari. All all churches talk about is money, and here we go, and let's check out. Should we go to brunch? What should we do? And I just want to encourage you that, you know, we as a church don't often talk about money. You'll never hear us have a 20-minute session during offering time talking about money. What we do is we give people an opportunity to give, but we don't talk a whole lot about finances. One of the reasons why is because we know that people can be turned off through past experiences about finances, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about them Sometimes, if you want to know when the last time is that I talked about money, maybe you're just joining us uh, as far as in our church. Uh, the last time I talked about finances was in June of 2021. Okay, so it's been over two years. And so we're not a church that talks a lot about it. But here's the thing Jesus did. Jesus talked a lot about finances. Why? Because Jesus knew the importance of finances. Jesus also knew and knows how much we care about finances.
You know you care about finances. You know you care about finances. You know if you're in the red or you're in the green. And see, the thing is, is when we talk about finances and when Jesus is talking about finances throughout the scripture, he's not, when he's talking about money, he's not necessarily talking about money because he wants all of our money. In fact, I'll say this, Jesus doesn't care about our money. In fact, the scripture says in Matthew chapter six and verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, where your finances are, where your money is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus talks often throughout the scripture about money and all throughout the Bible, they talk about money. Why? Not because he wants to take everything from us, but because he wants our heart. And he knows how much our heart cares about money and finances. In fact, I would say this, it's probably one of the three things in our world that we care about and think about the most, finances. We're always thinking about it. We're always processing, how can we make more? How can we earn more? How can we save more? How can we invest more? There's always these, I mean, people get paid millions of dollars to, to create environments where we can learn how to be greater investors and greater savers and all these different things. And that's all great. But the thing is, is when Jesus talks about it, he's talking about not earning more. He's talking about us having a heart that is generous in giving more. It's a heart condition. I'll say it this way. If you want me to know what you really care about, just show me your bank accounts. If you want me to know, if you want somebody to know, if you want yourself to know what you really value, just look at your bank accounts, meaning this, not the amount of money you have, but the things that you're spending your money on. You can go back and look at all your little, your little purchases on all your, little, all your little cards, all your little deals, and you'll see quickly what it is that you truly value. Why? Because what we value, it, where our heart is, where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And so God knows this. So he says, okay, I want to come and I want to have conversation about the concept of us really challenging ourselves and challenging our hearts that we can be people that are ones that truly are generous with our lives. I wrote this down. Believers see money as a matter of our hands. Disciples see money as a matter of our hearts. Believers see money as a matter of our hands. Disciples see money as a matter of our hearts. Let me explain that to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. It says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to, the, to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts and those to, to those in need, they will thank God. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He's saying, hey, I want you to know, he starts with this, for God is the one who provides. See, God is the one that gives. God is the one that brings the increase, he said. God is the one that blesses us. See, when, when we oftentimes make our earnings and we make our money about our hands, about what we have earned, about our skills, about how hard we have worked, about how much we have invested, about, about the things that we have done. And so we make it about us. But Paul comes in, he says, hey, I want you to know, it's not necessarily about that. You gotta know God is the one who has provided those things to you. <gasps> well, you don't know how hard I've worked. Well, you don't know the, how much I've had to climb the ladder. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know how much, how, no, I understand that. But here's what I do know. Who gave you the giftings that got you to the place where you were able to do those things? Who gave you the abilities? Oh, well, I went to school. Yeah, who gave you the opportunity and the giftings to learn in school? 
In the end, he is the one that provides. He is the one that is given us. And so here's what happens. I love it. It says it right here. He says, if God provides, he will provide and increase your resources. And then he says, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in us. It's interesting if we get to the place of where we realize everything that we have been, that we have has been given to us. Then we all of a sudden have this thing that produces in us called generosity, meaning this, we understand what we have is not because of us, because of what we've done, because of our giftings, because of our talents. It's because God is the one who has blessed us. And now because we understand that, we're grateful. And so now there's this overflow of wanting to, be, to give to others around us because we know how much we've been given. Does that make sense? It's so important that we understand that generosity comes and overflow. It comes from us understanding that it's a heart condition of knowing God's the one that's blessed us. God's the one that has provided for us. And it, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse seven, the Lord does not look on the things people look at, but people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People on the outside, we, we look at all the things we own and all the things we have and all the things that we, the way we dress and all these things. And the scripture says, God doesn't look at any of that. What he does is he looks at the, at the heart. Do we really care more about our finances than we do about God? Do we really care more about trusting in our security and our finances than we do trusting in God? And God is after our heart. This is why God challenges, if you call yourself a Christian, this is why he challenges us to be generous in our giving. Why? Not because he wants all of our money, but because he wants us to understand he desires our hearts. If you're not a Christian in the room or online, you get a free pass today. But for those of us that call ourselves Christians, it's something that we have to really process and say, okay, am I really walking and living in generosity to how God has asked me to live? Because I understand God has blessed me. I desire to be a blessing to others. In the scripture, Jesus was ministering and the thousands of people and the scripture says his disciples come to him. And they say, hey, you got to call these people. You got to tell these people to go home. You got to call them, tell them go home. You got you to tell them it's getting late. You've been here all day. All these people are hungry. You got to tell them leave. And Jesus, he says, we, either that or we got to feed them because they ain't got no food. Jesus says, you feed them. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. <laughs> Jesus says, you feed them. Disciples said, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, you, you see how many people are here? Thousands of people. It would, cost, it would take us months, years to be able to even afford a meal for all these people. What in the world do you think we're gonna be able to do with this? Jesus says, go and look and see. Find, find the food that you have and come bring it back to me. The scripture says in John chapter six and verse nine, this is what it says. He says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. What good is it with this large crowd? Interesting. 5,000 men, thousands of women and children. There's only one boy and a young boy who has five loaves of, five loaves of bread or five pieces of bread and two fish. Now, I'd like to challenge this thought. Surely, he was not the only person out of thousands of people, probably at least 10,000 people. Surely, he wasn't the only one with food. How do I know that? Because if you've ever hung around any mom on the planet, you know she packs more than any person on the planet. 
She's got snack in, snacks in there for days. She's got a purse or a bag so deep, she doesn't even know what kind of snacks she, she has. But let me tell you something. She starts pulling them out. She's got snacks for days. She's got snacks in there from two years ago. And she's like, no, they're still good. You can have them. You're telling me all these moms in this, in this, in this crowd, and he was the only boy that had food. Probably not. But he was the only boy that was willing to give his food. Now, here's what's interesting. We look at this and we say, if this was us, well, I'm hungry. Well, I haven't eaten all day. Well, if I give it, then I'm not gonna have anything for myself. But here's what's interesting. See, Jesus wasn't looking for the boy's food to take it from him, to not take care of him. See, we serve a God and God is a God and Jesus is a God who is a God of multiplication. So he wasn't taking it from him. He was trying to multiply it so he could take care of the boy and everyone else around him. So God is a God of multiplication. He asks us to give, not so he could, we, could, we don't have enough and so that he could take our money. He asks us to give so that we can be blessed, but also those around us can also be blessed because he multiplies what we give. Does that make sense? And it's a heart condition knowing this. It's not this, oh, God just wants my money. No, I understand, God, you've given this all to me. So I wanna give back, why? Because I know you can multiply this, blessing me, but then also all those around me as well, the way that you've called and created me to be a blessing to others. Second Corinthians chapter nine, and verse eight, verse six, excuse me. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Paul's writing and he says, hey, I want you to know, if you give a little, you're gonna reap a little. He says, if you, if you give generously, you're gonna reap generously. It's a biblical principle. Giving, it's the craziest thing. It's, it's, it's unheard of. It's not, it's countercultural. Counterculture is earn as much, keep as much, have as much, and then you'll have more. Kingdom culture is give as, give as much, give more, and you'll have more. It's just the way God works. Why? Because he's a God of blessing and he wants us to be a place where we can trust him with our finances. And so we say, hey, we wanna give generously. And because we do that, we end up being generously blessed by God. I wrote this down. Believers give fearfully. Disciples give cheerfully. Believers give fearfully. Disciples give cheerfully. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give, it, give and it will be given to you. This is Jesus speaking. A good measure. Pressed down, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. By the measure that we give is the measure that will be given to by the amount that we sow our seed and be generous is the amount God is generous to us. And here's why believe, disciples give cheerfully because we understand this. The concept of giving is it's a seed. You're planting a seed. And what happens is when you plant a seed in the kingdom of God and you plant a seed, and I don't, I'm not talking about a kingdom of God like, a, like a, a church building. I'm talking about the, when you plant a seed in God, when you give to someone, if you give someone in your community, you give someone in your neighborhood, you give some, when you give something, you're planting a seed. And what you're doing is you're giving it to God. And you know, here's what happens. And with God, here's what happens. He always abundantly blesses it more than the seed. 
I'll say it this way. You've probably heard this phrase before. You can't outgive God. I'll go a step further. I've never seen someone, I've never seen someone go broke through giving. I've never seen someone be poor through giving. Why? Because you can't outgive God. By the measure that we are generous is by the measure we will receive generosity from God. And so it's a challenge for all of us. Again, I, I, this is what, it, even for me, it's a challenge of saying, okay, God, we desire to be a people that cheerfully give. Why? Because we know we're planting a seed and we know that seed will come back hundredfold. I don't want to be in fear of saying, God, I don't know if I'm going to have enough. I don't want to be in fear of thinking I got all these other things that I got to take care of. And I, got, I don't want to be in fear of thinking, oh, okay, if I don't, then God, you're going to be mad at me. No, it's none of those things. It's God, I want to be cheerful in giving. Why? Because I know I'm planting a seed. No matter what that amount may be, I'm planting a seed and I know God is going to come back to me because you're a generous God. I remember being in a grocery store and we were at the, at the check-in line and I was at the check-in line and there was this lady with her child that was in front of me and they were paying their, they were, the clerk was like ringing up all her little things. This was before self-checkout, come on somebody, but they were ringing up all their things and then like they, they get to the final finished product or whatever and the lady says it was dot, dot, dot amount. The lady looks at it and she says, okay, let me, she looks at her groceries. She takes some groceries off and she says, okay, can let, let, take these off and let, let me see if I have enough for these. So that she swipes back and the lady swipes back a bunch of stuff. And she says, okay, this is the number. And the lady says, okay, she says that, that's, that, that'll good. I'll pay for those. Immediately when she, when she, when she says this, I hear something in my heart that just says, pay for the rest of the groceries. Something in my heart. You can call it God. You can call it Satan. I called it Satan. I was like, there's no way that's God telling me to buy somebody else's groceries. I got to buy my own groceries. <laughs> I remember, no tr true story. I remember being in the grocery line. I'm having this argument with God in my heart. Oh God, we just had a flat tire. I just had to buy a tire. And God, you know, those tires are so expensive. How can rubber be so expensive? I just bought a tithe. God, we got all these bills coming. God, I got all this stuff. God, I already gave my tithe. God, okay, I just, Lord, you know money's tight right now. You could ask me when I have more money. God, and I'm having this argument. I keep hearing. Just pay for our groceries. So finally, I tell the lady, I say, ma'am, just, if you don't mind, finish swiping those other groceries. And I'd like to pay for the other groceries. The lady swipes them. She finishes, she swipes them. And I go to pay. And I just knew, call it faith, called intuition. I just knew God was going to do something in this lady's heart. Like, I don't know, again, I don't know why. I just knew God spoke to me. And so I just, you know, I'm like, this lady's going to turn around. She's going to be crying. She's going to call out to God in the middle of this grocery store. She's got a kid. It's a baby. I'll get this milk and we'll pour it on the kid. We'll baptize the child right here. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. We're gonna baptize this child. We're gonna literally, we're gonna go, we're gonna make everybody, gonna whole, the whole store is gonna get saved and we're gonna all just start to sing the songs of praise to Jesus in the middle of this grocery. I just knew God was gonna do something. We'll pay for the thing and she, she puts her, her, car, her stuff on the cart and she's just about to roll off and as she rolls off slow motion in my brain, slow motion, she rolls, she looks back, and as she looks back, I'm like, here's the moment. Here come the angels. Let the horns of heaven begin to sing. All of a sudden, she turns, true story, she looks, and she looks at me, she goes, thanks, and walks off.
I'll look at the clerk. The clerk says, <laughs> I paid for my groceries. I walk out. I'm in, I'm in the par- I'm parking lot. True story. I'm pushing my cart. I'm so mad. I was so mad. Somebody's honking at me like, you better sit still. God's going to smite you. <laughs> pushing my cart. <laughs> pushing my cart. I'm, I'm arguing with God. I'm pushing. I can't believe you, God. I can't believe you would ask me to give to somebody who wasn't even grateful. Oh, she barely even told me thank you. She did nothing happen. God, what are you doing? I'm mad. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm, ne- I'm so mad. God, I'm never giving to somebody for the rest of my life. I said, in fact, I'm pushing. In fact, God, I'm not even just not giving anybody anything. God, I'm going to start stealing stuff from people. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> yes, I am a pastor. I'll never forget in this parking lot, I'm pushing this cart and I'm frustrated. And I remember God speaking to my heart. And he said, are you given based on a response from someone or are you given based on your obedience to me? Because that's what giving is. We should be cheerful. And God, you've asked it. I'm cheerful to give it. Not because I'm expecting somebody to do something for me. Not because if somebody did something good and so I want to give them a, a little blessing. No, it's God, I want to walk in such a way with you that if I'm so close to you that when, you, when I hear you, you say it, I'm going to do it. And I'm gonna be, I want to be cheerful in doing it. Why? Because God, I know I'm planting a seed. And I know God, no seed returns void in you. In you. And so I'm, I, when, I, when I do that, I know God, you're going to bless me a hundredfold. It's so important. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, just bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. Pour out a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Do you know that Jesus? the scripture here is talking about the tithe? The tithe means 10th, 10%, okay? That's where the 10% of our income comes from. And do you know that this is the only thing, finances, money is the only thing, the tithe, it's the only thing that God says test him in. In fact, in other scripture, God says, don't test God. This is the only thing. Why? Because he knows how close it is to our hearts. And he knows how difficult it is to be people that are givers. And so he says, hey, I want you to go a step further. I want you to test me. I want you to give your tithe and I want you to test me and watch what happens. I'm gonna bless you in such a way that they won't even be storehouses be able to hold it by the amount of uh, blessing I'm gonna give you and not just financially. That's the incredible thing about the tithe. It's a biblical principle that doesn't just bring blessing financially. It brings an emotional blessing, relational blessing, a spiritual blessing. It brings physical blessing. The, the tithe, it's the craziest thing. But if, when we give of our tithe, it's this blessing that we are receiving. Why? Because the scripture literally says it, right? here. He'll do it. And he says even a step further, not only will I do it, he says, test me and watch me do it. The tithe. Now, 10% is a lot. There's nobody denying that 10% is not a lot of money. If you got $2, 20 cents is a lot. If you got $20, $2 is a lot. If you got $200, 
We can keep going, but we're not going to keep going. Did I say 200 already? I think I did twice. That's all right. My brain's everywhere. Here's where it comes down to. Not necessarily the amount, of the, the amount that we give. It's about the heart condition that says, God, we desire to walk in obedience to what you're asking of us. Here's what's interesting. We talk a lot about generosity. We're talking about disciples are ones who give generously. Could it be? Could it be that tithing has absolutely nothing to do with generosity? Could it be that tithing has absolutely nothing to do with generosity and it has everything to do with obedience? Let me explain. If you have children in the room or you have young children in the room or you had young children at some point in your life, you ask them to go clean their room. They go, they clean their room, they finish up. You go in there, you don't go, oh, wow, you have been so generous to clean your room. Oh, wow, you have been so generous with your time. You cleaned your room. I am so proud of you for your generosity. No. You say, I'm so proud of you because of your obedience. obedience. I asked you to do something and you did it. Now, if the same child goes and cleans the bathroom after they clean their room and then you walk in there and you see the room cleaned and then you see the bathroom cleaned, then you say, oh, wow, I'm so proud of you for being generous that you went above and beyond what I asked of you. It's the same thing with our finances. Tithing has absolutely nothing to do with generosity. It has to do with obedience. Generosity is then above my tithe to say, God, I want to bless somebody else even greater than what I'm already given in the 10%. Okay. I want to say this. This is not meant to be a condemning message. Maybe you give 2%, maybe you give 10%, maybe you give 20%, maybe you give 0%. This is not meant to be a condemning message. That's not the heart of it. It's not meant to say, give the church more money. That's not the heart of it. The heart of it is this, and it's my heart, and I believe it's God's heart. The heart is that I, I believe that God wants to challenge all of us with the things that we value most in our hearts. And tithing, the scripture says, it says, the, to, it, we just read it, we can read it again, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This was a, they would bring it into the local storehouse to help provide. So when we, it says the whole storehouse, your tithe is not 2% to that charity and 2% to that charity and 6% over there. And you get to the point of where you make 10% and that's your tithe. That's not tithe, that's offering. Tithe is you bring it to the local storehouse. You're like, oh, well, you're just telling people to, to give to your money to your church then. No, I'm not. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you to seek God and I'm, I'm telling you as you seek God that God, I believe, will challenge you to walk in obedience in this way because it's an act of obedience when we respond with tithing. That being said, if you've been around long enough here at this church, you know we'll never tell you to give. You'll never hear us tell you to give. You'll never hear a person on my staff or myself, you'll never hear us tell you to give. We don't believe in that. Why? Because we don't believe the tithe has anything to do with us. We think the tithe has everything to do with us. You're never going to have somebody come up to you and say, are you giving full 10%? You're 
You're never going to have somebody come up to you and say, are, are you giving or are you not? You're never going to have somebody come up to you and say, you know what? Christmas came. Didn't you get a bonus? Was that the full 10% or was that 3%? You know, and God knows. Oh, why? Because the tithe has nothing to do with us. The tithe has everything to do with us. But I will say this. I will say if you're at a place where you've been, where you've been struggling with the concept of tithing, I would tell you to do what God says and I would tell you to test him. Not because God needs your money, not because the church needs your money. It has nothing to do with that. that. In fact, we talk very little about money because that's not who we are, but I do believe it's a heart condition. And I think we can miss the practical walk of faith of obedience of giving to God the way that he's asked us to because we're too afraid of hurting somebody's feelings and thinking that we're trying to be all about money. No, we're not. We just want to be a people that walk in obedience to what God has called us to do. The scripture says in Mark chapter 12 and verse 17, this is Jesus speaking. He said, he said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. There is a portion of our income that is God's. He's asked 10%, that's what it is. And people will say, talk about different arguments I hear. People will say, well, 10% is old, old covenant. Tithing is old covenant. Tithing's Old Testament, it's not New Testament, it's Old Testament, that's not, that's not for now. Now, the, the New Testament's just about giving whatever you wanna give, it's not about 10%. Well, I would go a step further and say that that's not necessarily is true, why? Because the tithe, the 10% had nothing to do with the law when Moses came. Moses came, the 10 commandments came, that's where the Old Covenant comes. In fact, the 10th, the, the tithe came before that with Abraham and then also with Jacob. That's where the tithe started. And then also in the New Testament, we talk about the old covenant, new covenant. Jesus comes and he creates a new covenant. And here's what he said. He said with the new covenant, he said, you say, some, you've heard if you hate your brother. He says, I'll, I say, if you are even angry with your brother. He says, Jesus with the new covenant, talking about old covenant, new covenant. Jesus says, you say, you, you've heard if you, if you commit adultery. I say, Jesus with the new covenant, he says, hey, if you even look with lust. He says in the old covenant, if you, you've heard to love your neighbor. I'll say, go a step further and love your enemies. Old covenant, new covenant, Jesus was adding a lot to the new covenant. So I'll say it this way. We don't want the new covenant given. Way more than 10%, come on somebody. And so this is the way we have to look at it. We can have these, these concepts of, oh, it's old covenant. No, no, Jesus, but he believed in the title. He said, give to God what's God's. And so again, I'm not challenging you and I'm not up here to say, okay, everybody needs to start giving to experience church. That's not who we are. But I am up here to challenge you to say, are you a person that's really walking and living out the obedience of walking and living out and giving your tithe because it's so vital and your own walk of faith to really begin to see God move in your life in a way that you have not seen him do so if you tithe. Now, you may say, I don't have enough. I've talked to people. I just talked to somebody yesterday. So I'm at a place where I don't have the financial finances or the financial ability to better give full 10%. Is God mad at me? No, God is not mad at you. If you are not at the place where you're able to give 10%, God's not disappointed in you. He doesn't hate you. You're not under a curse. I've heard people teach that. Like, if you don't tithe, you're cursed. Whoa! The Bible says Jesus came and he became the curse. Okay, thank you, somebody. You're not cursed. He's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He's not disappointed in you. You maybe, not, can't, maybe can't give 10%. That's great. It's a heart condition. So maybe you're not at the place where you can now, 
But then that means maybe you're at the place of where you can give 2%. Then start with 2%. Maybe you can give 1%. Give 1%. It doesn't matter. It's a heart condition. And so now you're at the place of where you're going to work your way up with your finances to get to the place of where you're able to give the tithe the way God asks. But he's not upset with you. He's not a God that's mad at you. He's not that. He's not disappointed. You're not missing out. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not single because you haven't been tithing. You know, that's the, no, like, that's weird, okay? That's not, who you, that's not who God is. But I do believe in the walking and the obedience of the tithe. And so it may not be 10, maybe two. It may not be 10, maybe one. Now we'll say this. Some people will come to me and say, oh, I don't have the finances to tithe. I have six cars. I have two boats. I have, I have seven houses. I have, well, excuse me, sir, ma'am. It might be that maybe you do have the money to tithe. You just are spending it all on yourself. Then you need to work on your expenditures. And you maybe say, okay, I need to cut down. Expenditures is even a word. That's not the right word. But anyways, it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep them going. You're going to work your way to where you're able to give the 10%. Again, it has nothing to do with me and you. In fact, we tell people here, it's, and this is the God honest truth, you can be a member here, you can serve here, you can attend here, you can come here, you can do everything that everybody else does, and you can never give a dime, and you will always be treated the same. Why? Because the tithe has nothing to do with us. The tithe has something to do with us. And so we're not here to say, oh, this is what you have to do. No, that's not it at all. I'm here to challenge you, just like I have in every other message in this series, to say, okay, are we really walking out the way God has asked us to live if we're really calling ourselves disciples of Christ? Tithe. And if you're young in the room, I would really challenge you to learn the principle now. It's so vital that you will learn. It's much easier to give when you have little than when you have much. I remember, literally, I was probably five, six, seven years old, and I got a $2 allowance. Yes, a $2 allowance. I said it, I'm that old. $2, and I remember, uh, take the 10% to 20 cents, and, and I would look at it and say, okay, 20 cents isn't a lot at all. I can do 20 cents. But then I would look, and I'd only have $1.80 left. I'd say, what in the world am I going to buy for $1.80? And I remember, I would say, God doesn't care about 20 cents. 20 cents can't help anybody. I can't do anything with 20 cents. Nobody can do anything with 20 cents. And I'll never forget, my dad said, this has nothing to do with how much you give. It has to do with your heart. And this is what he, what he said. And remember this, young people. He said, if you can't give 20 cents, you won't be able to give $2. And if you can't give $2, you won't be able to give $20. And if you can't give $20, you won't be able to give $200. And if you can't give $200, you won't be able to give $2,000. And if you can't give $2,000, you won't be able to give $20,000. And if you can't get $20,000, you won't be able to give $200,000. And if you can't give $200,000, you won't get $2 million. If you won't give $2 million, I can keep going. I can keep going, guys. It's just, literally, it's just, added. it's not that hard. Okay, it's really. But I'll never forget that because it taught me from a very young age the importance of tithing of putting aside the 10% to God because in the end, that's his and what he wants to do with it. And so I'm just gonna trust him and I know he's gonna use the 90 and he's gonna bless me more with the 90 than I ever could with myself with the 100. And so learn that, young people, at a young age. You may only get a few dollars here and there. I would encourage you, learn to tithe. Learn the principle of tithing. And to your local storehouse, your local church, if this is not your local church, don't tithe here. 
We don't want your money. You're like, I've never heard a pastor say, we don't want your money. Thank you. We don't want your money if this is not your local church. Tithe to your local church, why? Because you're called to to help feed, feed and plant the church that is helping spiritually feed you. I wrote this down very quickly. Believers, I haven't said this. Believers uh, tip, disciples tithe. Believers tip, disciples tithe. Here's what happens. Oftentimes as believers, we say, okay, we have a little extra. We'll give a few dollars here. Oh, you know what? We have a little something. We'll just, we'll just give a little something there. We feel good about it. Oh yeah, we'll give a little something. Or we'll do this. Woo! That preacher, he preached today. Man, I gotta, let me pull out. Let me, let me see what I got. Okay, give a couple dollars. Okay, he did a good job. Uh, oh, that worship today, woo! I felt the little heebie-jeebies that they talk about. Ooh, I gotta get out a 20. Let me pull out a 20. Boop, and, and, it, and that's a tip. That's not what the tithe is. The tithe is my commitment to what is already God's. I'm giving back because I know he's already given it all to me. And again, this is not a condemning message. You may be at a place where you cannot give it all. Totally fine. You may only be able to give 1%. Totally fine. This is not a condemning message. This is a message to challenge all of us to say, maybe we need to get to a place where we need to begin to budget our lives, not necessarily around ourselves, but around what God is asking us to do. Does that make sense? Very quickly as I close, I'm closing. Okay, here we go. Last thing. Isaiah 32, 8. But generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to do what is generous. The King James Version version says they devise. They carefully plan out what they're gonna do to be generous. Here's the question I have to ask ourselves. We have to ask ourselves. When's the last time you plan to give? When's the last time, and I say, let me say plan, I'm saying, when's the last time you strategized your finances to be able to give? See, we live in a world and a culture and a society where we plan all kinds of investments and we plan all kinds of future things and we plan all kinds of savings and we plan, and that's great. I believe in that stuff. Listen, you should be saving for the future. We, we plan all these different things. We strategize how we can make more and how we can earn more and how we can get a better promotion and how we can, we plan all these things. We strategize about all these things and that's all great. But when is the last time we sat down, and what the scripture's talking about here, we sat down with our spouses we sat down with a friend, we sat down with our parents, and we strategized how we can give more. When's the last time we looked at our budget and it wasn't like, okay, we gotta save a little here so we can buy that car, or we gotta save a little here to do this thing. When's the last time we budgeted out and said, okay, we wanna make room here so that we can give more here? That's what generosity is. Generosity is not just, okay, when I feel like it or I had the heebie-jeebies and I feel better, I pity, I'll give a little something. No, generosity is I'm planning and I'm strategizing and my budget to fit in giving to those around me in my world so that I can continue to give and add, do what God has asked me to do. For some, it may be 2%. For some, it may be 10%. For some, it may be above that. I don't know, but I do know this. I do know that God is asking us to be a people that are generous. And generosity is this. I'm gonna get to a place in my mind where I'm gonna look at my budget and I'm gonna say, okay, here it is. It's not at the very end, I get all the things listed and at the very end, okay, yeah, I have this little increment now that where I can give. No, I wanted to start with giving. And this is the goal of what I want to give this year. And now let's fit our world around what we are planning on giving. That's strategizing about being generous. It's what we do with our investments. It's what we do with our savings. 
It's what we do with all of our finances. So then why is it that we wouldn't do the same thing with our giving? I'll tell you why. It's a heart condition. We've been trained to learn to gain, 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 gain by our culture. Kingdom culture is flipped. It's give, 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 give. Let us be a people that really do live and walk in generosity. Not in a way where we feel condemned and not in a way where we feel like we have to or, or we feel like that if we don't, we're not loved or we don't, we're not cared for. That's not it at all. But let us live in such a way where we say we desire to be people that are truly generous with what God has blessed us with. Let us be people that understand and know everything he's given us, everything we have is from him. And so we cheerfully wanna give back because we know everything is, is his, everything we've earned, everything we've saved, everything we've invested, it's all he, what he's blessed us with. And so we, in all the world that we could be living in, we got the privilege to be able to live in a community, in a world, in a society where we are truly blessed. Like, oh, I don't feel blessed. Let me tell you something. If you have a car, if you drive a car, they say that you are richer than I think, you're the top 3%, I think it is, in the whole world if you just drive a car. You, we are in the top 3% of the richest people in the world. If we just drive a car, we've been blessed. And so let us remember that and let us know that he is the one that's given it to us. And so let us always live in such a way that we desire to bless others around us because we know he's blessed us. We wanna be a blessing to others because the Bible says it is better to, to it is, we are more blessed and it is better to receive, excuse me, better to give than it is to receive. Let's live this. Let's continue to live this. Let's continue to be people that walk and live in generosity. Amen? Amen. Can we pray? Father, I thank you so much.